Heiligen. Ich bin sehr geliebt bei Gott. All right. Good morning, you are much loved by God. Isn't there a German around this place? Isn't anybody German around here? No Germans? Sort of. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Well, my wife and I are very thankful today. Her surgery on her eyes went well. And uh, a couple days of... of uh, finding out that I still look like the same old guy that she married. And her eyes came back. For a while, I was a pretty good-looking fella. <laughs> okay, I have a quiz for you. Are you ready? Are you ready, champ? <laughs> okay, why did the clown go to the doctor? That's right. Okay, now I got you on this one. How do chickens communicate? I knew it. Yeah, I'm just making them too easy for her, but now I made it too hard for the rest of you. How do chickens communicate? <laughs> Any stabs in the dark over here? Well, they use foul language. At least you could groan together. F. F O W L. Now, what were you thinking when I said that? No, I don't want to. Speaking of clowns, an eight year old girl went to the office with her father on Take Your Kid to Work Day. And as they were walking around the office, the young girl started crying and getting cranky. And her father asked what was wrong with her. As the staff gathered around, she sobbed loudly, Daddy, where are all the clowns that you said you worked with? <laughs> Careful what you say around, little ones. <laughs> Turn to Philippians chapter 4, if you will. And it's good to see your joyful, thankful faces. Not like the guy who uh, describes... A friend who always looks as if he just finished seeing 200 slides of his neighbor's three-week vacation in Cleveland. Let that sink in just, just a little bit. Anybody ever been to Cleveland? Anybody ever had to sit two hours and watch somebody's slides? They don't show them anymore, do they? Well, anyway... A lot to be thankful for, and the secret of contentment is what we're going to look at today. Philippians 4, this whole chapter is, is uh, deals, it's just very, very practical. Everybody loves, you know, verse 6 and 7, be anxious for nothing but by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, not just in November. Let your requests be made known unto God and, and so on. And, uh, and that's true. That's not where we're going today. So Philippians 4, let's begin with verse 10 and go through, and 11 is the key verse, but go through 13. 
Paul said he was thanking them uh, in verse 10. He says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly now that at the last your care of me has flourished again, uh, of which you were also mindful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatever state I am in this to be content. Now that is a life lesson, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Verse 12, I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now a lot of times we quote Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ, but the context is that there will be times of plenty and there will be lean times. But you can do it all through Christ, the, the strength that he gives. That's the context. Anyhow. So, everybody get their little outlines? Are you ready to rumble? Oh, I miss little Margaret. She usually smiles when I say that. No. <laughs> In this passage, the word contentment now, in the Greek, that's the original language of the New Testament, and there's a Greek word for it, and it means sufficiency. That's what it means. So we may define contentment as that disposition of mind through grace that realizes God has and will provide what we need. And I wrote down, check out Philippians 4.19, will you go down a few verses and... And he was reminding them, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I like the word according. You see, it doesn't say, my God shall supply all your need out of his riches and glory. Like he has a big tank full of riches and, and glory. No, it's not what it says at all. In fact, it says, According to. See, God's riches and glory never run out. So it's wrong to think that, you know, it gets depleted every time he, he gets out and he has to fill it up and all that stuff. That's not the, that's not the point here at all. Okay, so we're going to talk about this. Um, and my main idea here is why thankful believers are content. And we have four reasons why. A thankful heart brings contentment to the believer. But first, I want to see the first paragraph. <clears throat> because of Philippians 4.19, this should enable a Christian so as not to be moved by three things. And we have to fight this in our society. We have to fight it all around the world. You're going to have to fight it all the time. There's three things so that we should not be moved by. The first is found in Luke 12, 15, and, uh, and that is covetousness. Covetousness. In fact, Jesus warned, let me read, these are the words of Jesus when he was teaching. He says, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things which he possesses. Now, the world looks 
and describe success and the abundance of the things that you possess, but not so. The Lord says, watch out for that. Nothing wrong if you possess a lot of things. Nothing wrong if you have a, a nice, healthy bank account. Being rich is not a sin. It never has been. It's the love of that and the desire and the control that the love of money has and can take hold of not just money, but thing. Covetousness involves more than just, just money. So if God will supply all of our needs, should I use the word since? Since God will supply all of our need? Since that's true, we should have no problem with covetousness. So we have to fight that. It's in the 10th commandment. Or it's in the... Uh, uh, is that the 10th commandment? Yeah. Thou shalt not covet. Someday I'll tell you about the commandments I saw at a church. And they rearranged them to fit their own. Anyway, so we shouldn't be moved by covetousness. We shouldn't be moved by anxiety. Matthew 6, 31, 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Food, raiment, all of that, Jesus said. And uh, so the worry or anxiousness we shouldn't be ruled by that, even though it's, it's part of our being at times. That's why Philippians 4, 7, or 6, be anxious for nothing. Or, you know, there shouldn't be any reason why worry. I have a definition for worry. You want to hear it? You got to tell me yes or I won't give it to you. It's assuming responsibility that God never intended for you to assume as a believer. So anyway, because of Philippians 4.19, we shouldn't be ruled or moved by covetousness, anxiety, or complaining. Don't you love being around whiny, complaining people? <laughs> I mean, there's some people that it doesn't take one minute to be around them and they got to complain about something. And you know, the Lord has something to say about that. In 1 Corinthians 10, the Bible in that passage talks about, as an example, the Israelites complained the tenth time they complained to Moses, to God, and Aaron, Moses, and, and the Lord himself. God said, that's it. I'm not going to take you into the promised land. You're going to drop like flies in the wilderness for 40 years, and I'll take your kids there. And so in 1 Corinthians 10.10, 10, God gives all kinds of examples for the Corinthians to watch out for. And uh, he says, now these things, verse 6, were written for our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted or be idolaters or commit fornication or that kind of stuff. And then in verse 10, he says, and neither murmur you. Don't murmur, as some of them murmured, and they were destroyed. You know what murmuring is, don't you? It's subdued grumble, the underlining grumble that we're not content, that we're missing out on something in our life, that God has shortchanged us somewhere. 
Now, some of us are too spiritual to blame God for it, but in the end, that's just about what it is. Subdued grumble. You ever you ever hear about it? You know, and God says He doesn't like that at all, because you can't grumble and give thanks at the same time. Come on. Here's a fella named Robert Louis Stevenson. You've heard of him in English class, if they still teach that these days, instead of some of the stuff that they're introducing into the curriculum. I really appreciate that there is a lot of people standing up to some of this nonsense that's being introduced. Anyway, here's what he said. The person who has stopped being thankful has fallen asleep in life. I like that. The person who has stopped being thankful has fallen asleep in life. So, why thankful believers are content? Number one, they rejoice in what they have. Not just possessions, but His presence. Remember what Hebrews 13.5 says? Randy, why did you ask how my voice is holding up? It's almost gone already. He asked me today how my voice was holding up. I said, pretty good. Hebrews 13.5. The first reason why thankful believers are content, the Bible says, let your manner of life be without covetousness and be content, there's that word again, with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now that's the reason behind the secret of content is the presence of Christ who said he'd never leave us. It doesn't mean that we can't buy some nice things. It doesn't mean that we, can, we can't work overtime and have a little extra money. To, none of that. You know, don't, don't read into things that isn't there. The first reason why you and I, if we're a thankful believer, we can be content is because we rejoice in what we've got. And that's when we got to stop and think, well, what do we have? And I bet every one of you can say in your heart of hearts, we've got a lot, don't we? We've got a lot. Not that, not that the world agrees with that, but we do. So I... Uh, I wrote down, it's not in your notes, I wrote down six, six things that all start with S that just popped into my mind like this, okay? I rejoice in what I have. Number one, my Savior. Number two, my salvation. Number three, my sword. And I'm not talking about the one that my dad took off a, a Nazi officer and it hung hung in, our, in World War II when he was marching in Patton's army. I'm talking about the Word of God, the sword. I'm thankful for the Bible. So I had to figure out a word that starts with S, so I used the word sword, okay? And then I'm thankful for my sweetheart. Did you know that in three weeks, let's see, four, five weeks, You ever count on your fingers? In five weeks, we will have been married 50 years. Tis our golden anniversary. 
And uh, when she was having surgery, the surgery assistant came in and uh, said, would you like to sit here? I said, I'd like to be as close as close to my wife. She's been mine for almost 50 years as I possibly can during the surgery. So she set a chair there in the hallway. Then after the surgery, she says, what is, what is the secret of 50 years? Man, if you can't give a testimony with a question like that, you should be able to drive a semi through that that hole, and uh, we kind of grasped each other's hands, and we said, the truth of the matter is, it's our relationship to Jesus Christ, the foundation of our marriage for 50 years. And she agreed with that, and of course, everybody in the office heard this, you know, and, and uh, but uh, anyway, 50 years, isn't that grand? Isn't that grand? You guys need another quiz. Ah. My Savior, my salvation, my sword, my sweetheart, my she-gals, <coughs> all five of my daughters, my saint friends. What's that mean? It means that and if you are a born-again believer into God's family by faith in Jesus Christ, you are called a saint. And uh, regardless of what some denominations teach, about sainthood, the Bible clearly states that the, the believer is called a saint. And uh, what that means is one that is separated to the Lord. That's what it means. So you belong to him, saint. So I could write down a whole bunch of things, but the thing is, the number one reason why thankful believers can be content is because we rejoice in what we have. Not just possessions, but his presence. Don't you love that? He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. <clears throat> Number two. <clears throat> this could be an interesting day. <clears throat> you ready for number two? Let me know. They recognize the transience of all things. That's right. Allow me to read to you Second uh, Timothy chapter 6, <clears throat> verse 6 through 8. It says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. There's more scriptural teaching. And I like this, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Now, the pharaohs over in Egypt tried to big the big, build the big pyramids, you know. But you can dig in there and see that they didn't take any of those riches out with them. Of course not. Verse 9, no, verse 8. And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. Well, so... And we're going to skip Proverbs 49, 16 to 17. But Proverbs 23, 5 has a little humor in it. Aren't you glad for the Lord's humor? This is what it says. Will you set your eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away like an eagle toward heaven. <laughs> Reminds me of the guy that 
didn't trust banks, and he kept all his money in a big jar buried in his backyard. And every night when he thought no one could see, he'd go out there and dig it up and count it. Well, one night he went out there and he saw that it was gone. Somebody had dug it up, took the money. And he was so very, very exceedingly sorrowful. And his friend said, oh, come on, cheer up, Fred. You still have the hole. As much as good as that money did him anyway, he still had the hole. <laughs> uh, riches flee, all right. <clears throat> so recognizing that this is temporary, the Christian can be very thankful and content. Number three, the thankful believers are content because they refuse to be ruled by what they don't have. Here's the key to that. In 1 Timothy 9, uh, 6, 9, they refuse to be ruled by what they don't have. Verse 9, but they that will be rich or desire to be, or that whole goal they fall into temptations and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money, not money, the love of it is the root of all evil. While some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Verse 11, But you, O man of God, flee these things, and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness, and so on. You get the idea. So, they refuse to be what they don't have. Okay, finish this paragraph. Being rich is not. Do you see the capital letters? I mean, I have friends. I had a friend in Michigan that owned a grandfather clock company. He had millions you couldn't tell he had more than one cup to drink a coffee, cup of coffee out of. And um, if you ever read the Daily Bread, once in a while you'll come across a man's name called D.J. Dupree. That's the man. He owned Howard Miller Clock Com Company. God blessed him. I know in my first church out in Michigan, he saw we had a need for uh, chairs. He donated the whole works. Just had big semi drop back and drop in, and he donated all. He was constantly giving away uh, funds, and it never let it never affected him. I shared two funerals with that man. Uh, they were from my church, but he knew them very, very, very well. And and to listen to him share was just such a, just a little guy. And, and he did drive a Mercedes Benz. He was only about that tall, I guess, and wore this little hat and drove 150 miles an hour wherever he went. <laughs> but he loved the Lord. And, uh, you know, I'm sure the Lord forgave him for that. But <laughs> and I don't know if you remember a few years back, there was an elderly couple that, that uh, won 11 million bucks in the lottery, and they gave it all away. Do you remember that story? They gave, they gave the whole works away. Um, they gave some to their kids, but most of it went to churches and hospitals. And this is what they said about that when they were interviewed. 
We have all we need. And they live in a humble home with humble furniture. And they gave it all away. Boy, that would, I tell you. Anyway, and that's a true story, by the way. So being rich is not a sin, but being controlled by it is. Now in Luke 18, through 24, the fellow named the rich young ruler came and asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This is a ruler. He was very rich. And Jesus said, well, what does the law say? What does the commandment say? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. And, and uh, so he went on, on on that a little bit. And the guy said, well, I've done that since I, I was young. And Jesus looked at him. He said, okay, one thing you have, uh, one thing you lack. Now, he doesn't ask everybody to do this, but he did this guy because he wanted to put the finger on what was wrong in his life. He says, Sell everything you have, give to the poor, and come and follow me. And the Bible says the rich young ruler went away very sorrowful because he had all kinds of riches. That was just asking too much because riches controlled him. How sad for him, but how great for the one who does break free from the love of money. And you got an example of that in Luke chapter 19. Do you remember the fella? He was about this tall. His name was what? Zacchaeus, you're right. Zacchaeus. And he got very wealthy by being a tax collector and very hated by most people. And most tax collectors back then cheated. Charged too much, pocketed the rest. But when he met Jesus Christ... And he was transformed as Jesus came over to his house. This is what he said. He said, Behold, I will restore fourfold to anyone I have wronged. The next statement was Jesus when he said, He said, Today salvation has come to this house. Because it was more. He, he broke the power of that being ruled by money. You ever find people that are just glued to the stock market? And it's not wrong with having stocks. In fact, I have a stock market report here. Do you want to hear it? Helium was up and feathers were down. Paper was stationary. Fluorescent tubing was dimmed in light trading. Knives were up sharply. Cattle steered into a bull market. Pencils lost a few points. Hiking equipment was trailing. Elevators rose. Escalators continued their slow decline. Light switches were off. Mining equipment hit rock bottom. (laughs) I love that one. Diapers remained unchanged. The market for raisins dried up. Coca-Cola fizzled. And Caterpillar stock inched up a bit. And balloon prices were inflated. Boy, there were some real groaners in there, wasn't there? But, you know, being controlled, the point here is, 
A thankful Christian that is content refuses to be ruled by what they don't have. Okay. Number four, they realize God gives them all things to enjoy. 1 Timothy 6.17 Charge them that are rich in this age that they be not high-minded. It didn't say, you know, give away all their money or nothing. No, it says, just charge them not to be high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. And the Christian that believes that has a change of heart in this contentment battle. They realize God has given us all things to enjoy. Amen? Amen? So, let's finish it out here. Possessions without the Prince of Peace never satisfies. Never. Never satisfies the soul. I'll say it again. Possessions without the Prince of Peace never satisfies the soul. And then finally, our contentment is not based on what we have, now catch it, but rather who we have. That's why we're going to sing the song, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold or worldwide fame. But before we do that, I want to close with 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life, whatever we need, and godliness, whatever we need spiritually, both things, physically and spiritually, all things through the knowledge of him that hath given to us glory and virtue. It's not what we have, but rather who we have. That's why I'd rather have Jesus than anything. We all need a little money to live on. That's not the point. But a thankful believer can learn to be content. Learn means it's a lesson. And I'm still learning that. We can be content because we rejoice in what we have. We recognize how fleeting all things are. We refuse to be ruled by what we don't have. And we realize that God gives us all things to enjoy. So it's not based on what we have. It's based on who we have. Thank you, Lord, for our time here. And I pray we take these things to heart in a materialistic society that we live in, where everything is emphasized in money and stocks and the economy and yada, yada, yada. Help us to remember that you are our great possession and we are your prized possession, as you've said in your word. And thank you for your faithfulness in meeting all of our needs so that we don't have to be ruled by covetousness or worry or complaining. In Jesus' name, amen.